wife Jenny is here. Uh, we've been married for 30 years, have four children. We were just talking about how our daughter has, I think, moved out of our home. She's at college now, and so we're uh, empty nesters. I grew up on Kamena, so I'm a local kid. And um, just yesterday, I, I, uh, I, I guess this is a little bit of boasting, but I, I took up pickleball in November. And just yesterday, I played at my first tournament on Kameno, the Kameno Cup. And I, my partner and I uh, won silver. So you are looking at a silver medalist. Um, now, it was just 3.0, which was the lowest level of, you know. But nevertheless, I, I asked Jenny this morning, I said, well, how are you going to treat me now that I'm a silver medalist? <laughs> And she said, well, I'm just going to love you like I always have. And so anyway, that's, that was kind of fun for me. And I, when Tommy asked me to preach uh, for uh, him as he was transitioning, I was happy to do so. He had a role in my life as a young pastor. In 1997, I was an assistant pastor at Green Lake Presbyterian Church, and he had come to plant Grace Seattle up on Capitol Hill and Around 2000, each other from that time, around 2000, I was looking into church with Jenny and was trying to understand what it meant to be a church planner. And he told Jason at a lunch meeting, he said, um, he said, what really set our ministry off from the beginning here on Capitol Hill was that we had left everything, our families and Florida and think they were in Florida, but we had moved from Florida here. Um, we had burned our bridges. We had no plan to go back. And he said a lot of church planners want to live near family and be close to their old fa- favorite fishing hole and all of that. And he said, he said, you've got to be all in. And that counsel uh, really impacted me. And I remember... Um, when we moved to Indy in 2002, we did. We burned our bridges. We had no plan to come home. And, uh, and we were there for 13 years and moved back to Redmond or to the Northwest um, in 2015. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. So we moved back to be closer to mom and dad. And, um, and God called us to a church in Redmond, Washington. So that's where I'm pastoring now. So anyway, that's a little bit about me. And I'm thankful for Tommy's impact in my life and to be able to be with you today. Um, The scripture that I'll read here is from Psalm 27. The last two verses of that psalm and next week I'll preach from uh, some verses uh, in the beginning of that psalm. But Psalm 27 calls us to wait on the Lord and to wait well. And that's my challenge for you today is For you to grow as a person who waits well. So let me pray and then I'll read uh, our scripture. Heavenly Father, you struck my heart with your word so many years ago. And from that moment, I loved you. And you have struck the hearts of word. And we love you because you um, opened our eyes and 
us and gave us your truth. And so I pray that today your word would um, once again strike our hearts and that we would love you as we listen to it and obey it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is uh, 14 and 14 of Psalm 27. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Waiting well is, or waiting in general is one of the hardest things you will have to do in life. Uh, young people, children, you may uh, have to or remember waiting for Christmas. And just the days before Christmas just dragged on because you were so excited for Christmas to come with all of its magic. Or waiting in traffic, right? In Seattle traffic, that can really get to you, right? Get on your nerves. Or waiting in long lines to finally get to, you know, where you're being helped. Or if you've ever had to wait for a medical diagnosis and you're nervous and you're scared about what the doctor is going to say. Maybe you've struggled with some sin in your life and just waited for God to help you and please deliver me from this and help me deal with this. And I'm, or waiting for Him to pull you out of depression. But those can really be hard waits. Or how about oppression? If you feel oppressed or injustice or have suffered under oppression for maybe even decades, people have suffered under oppression, whatever it is, that waiting is hard. Uh, in Psalm 7, David refers a number of times to enemies and evildoers and to uh, even... Uh, army encamping against him. For example, in verse 2 and 3, he puts it this way in Psalm 27. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, yet I will be confident. So what we may want to consider doing as we think about waiting, is not just thinking about waiting for Christmas or waiting in a long line. Those are hard waits, but they're nothing like waiting in a fortress when an army is surrounding you. So let's try to imagine what it's like to wait in a life and death situation, a hard situation, one that you're like, I don't know if I can make it through this. So um, let me, to paint a picture for you, some of you may enjoy The Lord of the Rings by J.R. Tolkien. Um, I happen to like his stories, and so I'm going to use one of those stories in in my sermon today. But it's the story of the Battle of Helm's Deep. I'll try to paint a picture for you if you uh, don't know the story at all. But in this, uh, in The Two Towers, tells the Battle of Helm's Deep, the evil wizard Saruman has amassed a massive army of orcs and Urukai fighting warriors and wild men and wolves, and they're, they're marching to battle. And King Theoden and the army of Rohan uh, march out also to engage in this battle, and there with them go Aragorn, 
um, Legolas, Gimli, and, um, and Gandalf the wizard. And at some point as they're riding out and marching forward to this battle, Gandalf counsels them to ride to Helm's Deep. He says, get to Helm's Deep, get there. And then he says this, await me at Helm's Gate, farewell. Now in the movie, I tried to find this in the book, in the movie, Gandalf says this, watch to my coming at first light on the fifth day at dawn to the east. So Gandalf promises to come back. So the armies of the Rohan uh, seek refuge at Helm's Deep, an ancient fortress in a gorge that opens in the hills, thick walls that have never fallen to the enemy. And they're uh, then assailed by by this massive army that just... All night long they come with ladders and battering rams and blasts and it is it is a battle. So that's the picture of waiting I want to leave with you because David says, even if an army encamps against me, I'm going to be confident. I'm going to wait for you. Okay? So that's the picture of waiting that I want to put before you. Waiting is hard. It's very hard. Waiting well is a grace that God gives and a posture of the heart that you and I can grow. In other words, today you can actually grow the muscle to wait well, to wait on the Lord. And I want to walk you through that by um, asking three questions. The first is, what is waiting well? What does it mean to wait well? And then how do we do that poorly? How do we struggle with waiting well and thirdly how does jesus help us right jesus i know you've heard tommy preach he's the answer to every scripture passage so how does jesus help us to wait on the lord to wait well so let's start with what is waiting well three things first of all it is a confident expectancy that you will see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living That's what David says. I believe that I will see, I will look upon the goodness of the Lord, not just a spiritual goodness, but also his gifts to me. The goodness of God in the Hebrew mind wasn't just a spiritual relationship. It was things like prosperity, land, uh, you know, your family, all of those good gifts of God, the goodness of the Lord in this, in the land of the living. So David is saying, not just in heaven, in the afterlife, this is not resignation or cynicism. This is him believing that there would be a day in his life that he would see God's goodness in this life. That's the first thing. It is a confident expectancy that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Number two, it is waiting for the Lord. This is important because I think a lot of times we wait for the rescue, we wait for the good things, but really what David, if you want to put a fine point to it, he's saying, I'm waiting for the Lord. Now, you probably know that the Lord often uh, gets kind of this generic name of God. People think of the Lord as like another way of saying God. But it would be better for you to think of the Lord as God's personal name, Yahweh or Jehovah. 
or like you would call me Jason, not just pastor, which is a generic name for or a title. But but when you say the Lord, you're saying Yahweh or Jehovah, or you're saying a name like a name of a person. So David is saying, I'm I'm waiting for the Lord. I'm waiting for Him to show up. He's sovereign. He's good. He cares about me. He's in control. He's powerful. He's there for me. So I'm going to wait for him. I'm going to watch for him. My eyes are open to him. His promise, his word, his sovereignty, his power, his honor. Now in the story of the Helm's Deep, the Battle of Helm's Deep, there's a moment where Gandalf, this is before they march out, King Theoden gives him the gift of Shadowfax, which is this beautiful white horse, the fastest horse in all of Middle-earth. And he gifts him Shadowfax, and this is what it says about Gandalf as he mounts his steed. Theoden gifts the horse, and then Tolkien writes, Then suddenly, this is Gandalf, he threw back his gray cloak and cast aside his hat and leaped to horseback. He wore no helm nor mail. His hair flew free in the wind. His white robe shone dazzling in the sun. Behold the white rider, cried Aragorn, and all took up his word. That's a picture of not just waiting for God in general or waiting for someone who might show up and help you. But when Gandalf says, I'm going to come, I'm going to come watch for me. It's a person. It's a glorious person, a powerful person, someone who has ability to help or capacity or a time for you or strength to help you that you're waiting for, not just for something good to come, but it's a person with a name who cares for you, who has an allegiance to you and is committed to you, who's coming. And so that's the second thing. It's waiting for the Lord, the personal name and the character and the promises of God. And then thirdly, it is waiting with strength and courage and active faith and watching. So a lot of times when you think of waiting, it's like, okay, it's very passive. I'm just, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to kind of sit back and wait. But that's a very poor picture of what waiting well is. Waiting well is about, well, David puts it this way, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. That's not passive resignation or fearful apathy. It's like, be a courageous person. Watch for God to show up. He's there. He's coming. Wait for Him with zeal and anticipation. And so again, let me go back to the story of Helm's Deep. They're fighting a battle. Yeah, they might be kind of waiting for Gandalf because he said he's coming. But they're taken up in fighting the battle, just like you and I in our life. You're working on your marriage relationship or waiting for that diagnosis or whatever it is that you're having to wait through right now. And you can think about that and consider. But it's very you have to be active. You have to deal with it. You have to have courage. You have to have strength. Even as you wait for God. So Legolas and Gimli, they're notching, you know, they're counting up the orcs they hew down with their swords and arrows. You know, how many do you have, Gimli says? 21, 23. They're competing against each other. Yeah, they're waiting in a sense, you could say, but they're also actively engaged. 
Or what about Aragorn in, in the film version, Eomor? They go out and they battle. They sneak out on the wall and they battle and beat back the orcs. And so, yeah, they're waiting, but it's an active, courageous waiting. Or what about when uh, Theoden is like, man, Gandalf's counsel was bad. He shouldn't have sent us to Helm's Deep. And um, Aragorn responds, don't judge the counsel, do not judge the counsel of Gandalf until all is over, Lord, Aragorn says. In other words, yeah, it might seem bad counsel right, right now, but wait to see. And then Theoden says, when dawn comes, I will bid men sound Helm's horn and I will ride forth. Will you ride with me then, son of Arathorn? And Aragorn says, I will ride with you. So that's the waiting I'm talking about. You and I are called to wait on the Lord, but then we ride out. We ride out into battle. We ride out to engage the situation, even as we watch and wait for the Lord. So are you in faith, waiting for God, even as you ride out to work on your marriage or to deal with the hard situation, the life situation that you're having to wait through? That's the picture of waiting with strength and courage. It's a very active faith and watching. Okay, that's what waiting well is. Why we wait? Why do we wait poorly? And this is an opportunity for you. Here's how we grow in the Christian life. You actually have to see where you're weak, where you're limited, where you have blind spots, where you could grow and mature. Um, this is not something just to get through this sermon, but you can actually grow through by taking this seriously and actually caring about being a better at waiting. So for you, it's an opportunity for you to consider your heart and how you may have a weakness. So first of all, one way that we wait poorly is you and I get overwhelmed with the situation. The situation that you're in, the war, the battle of Helm's Deep or whatever, the bad marriage or waiting in line dominates your, your view of things. So Christmas seems so far away for those kids and all they can think is the hours, the minutes ticking on and that's what dominates their view rather than the beautiful, joyous day of Christmas that's two or three days away. Or what about when that person cuts in line and you literally think that is an orc and I want to pull out my sword and cut off their head. That I mean, how do they become so big and, you know, it's just like... Okay, it's five more minutes you're going to have to wait or a car pulls in front of you and you just literally want to take out the, you know, Gimli's axe. Because what what happens is they just come to dominate our view, the, the thing we're having to wait through. Or I remember when I had lymph nodes taken out from underneath my arm, there was some concern that I had um, lymphoma. And I remember waiting for the doctor's uh, report and I was scary and I just I, all, all I could think about was dying of cancer and all the terrible things that would come so that just dominated my view or when you're struggling with sin and and you just are like I can't deal with this anymore it, in other words those things become so big and you lose sight of God and his coming so that's understandable right Probably you and I have struggled with something like that. And you see how hard it is to wait well. A second way we struggle with waiting well is we get impatient with God's promises. He said, I will come. Or Abraham and Sarah, I will give you a son. 
And then you have decades go on. It's like, wow, where are you? Do you actually care about me? Do you see me? Am I invisible to you? Can I actually trust you that your promises will come through? So we end up just getting impatient with God and his promises. And we feel like we have to take matters into our own hands. A third reason is that we lose sight of the Lord himself. We don't see him in his glory and his power and love. And actually, I think this is where our heart kind of goes astray. Most of all, we don't trust he cares for us. We know Gandalf or the, you know, some great warrior. We see them in all their glory and they're like, oh, they're awesome. But does God, you know, and I know God is sovereign and majestic and robed in glory and speaks the universe into order and all of these things. But I don't actually think he, he thinks about me. I'm not on his mind. I'm not the am I I'm not really the apple of his eye, right? All of this doubts about God's care for us. Like, okay, in the stories the hero comes for the one he loves, right? Or she loves and, and comes to rescue, but but am I on the mind of God? And so we lose sight. And David actually and, and there's reasons for that. But one of the reasons for many of us that we end up doubting God's truthfulness is that people that we were looking to in our life let us down. David in Psalm 27 in verse 9 and 10 says this in his prayer to God. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. So he's basically saying, help me. I, I, I'm really counting on you. Don't forsake you. Don't forsake me. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. So when people that you trust to be there for you and to rescue you aren't like your father and mother, it's like, okay, well, if they aren't going to see me and rescue me and be there for me, how will God? So again, we lose sight of the Lord. And so a question for you as we go to this next part of the sermon is, does your heart trust that God loves and cares for you and his promises are for you, not just for the world in general? So that's why we wait poorly. Hopefully one of those kind of connected with you in terms of where you might need to grow. Now, how does Jesus help us? How does he empower us to wait well? And I again want to just quickly move you through three things. First of all, Jesus... Jesus helps you by proving God's promises. Proving them. Not just um, trusting in them himself, but actually proving them for you. Think of the promise of a seed. A seed will be born to the woman, right? Or his name will be called Emmanuel. The virgin will give birth. Or a king will be born in the line of David. Or there's going to be a sacrificial lamb that will wash away your blood or God is going to open his doors to the Gentile nations and they're going to flock to his mountain all of the promises of God Paul says this for all the promises of God find their yes in him now what that means for you today is this you go to a promise in scripture any promise I will never leave you I will never forsake you right that's a the, one of the most uh, biggest and most important promises. 
And it connects to this passage, right? He's not going to forsake you. He'll never leave you, right? So there's a promise. Our, I, I keep you as the apple of my eye, right? Or I remember you. God's promise that he remembers his people. All of his promises are yes in Jesus. So you can find any promise of all scripture and you can claim that to be your own through Christ because of what he did for you. They culminate, they are fulfilled in Christ and so they're yes for you. So you can wait like Abraham did, looking up at the stars of the sky and when he's told that your seed is going to be like that and from you is going to come one who's going to be a blessing to all the nations and actually trust that God is true. Or what about Simeon, who is told, you're going to see the Messiah. You're going to see the promised one. And he waited and waited and waited. And then there was that day. The Spirit of God moved him. He came to the temple and there was Mary and Joseph bringing in the baby Jesus. And the Spirit directed him to hold. He holds that baby and he says, I can now die because mine eyes have seen the promised one. Jenny, my wife Jenny, has been talking about waiting well we've we're having to go through some really hard waiting in our life and it's challenging us and we're fighting to wait well and she just reminds me of this she said was it worth it for Simeon to wait all those years and all those decades was it worth it for him to wait and just wait be a waiter waiting 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 but he got to see the promised messiah and then of course the answer is yes it was worth it. It was so worth it for Simeon. And it will be worth it for you too. Yes. So every promise is yes in Jesus. Somehow you can take hold of them and hold on to them as yes for you. Jesus proves God's promises. Number two, Jesus models waiting. It wasn't easy for him to wait either. That's important for you to know. Like waiting through the abandonment of his disciples running from him leaving him alone through the attack of people on his life and ultimately the injustice of the you know the prosecution and the lies that were told and all the way through the cross and the abandonment he felt of God as God turned away from him there was a waiting that he had to deal with that was infinite in weight and difficulty and challenge he had to trust that what God had said to him would come come true and what Peter says in 1 Peter is beautiful. I want to read it to you, just how Christ entrusted himself to God and how this is an example for us. For to you have been called, for, for to this, excuse me, you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself. Entrusting himself. That's like waiting, right? To him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Part of the righteousness that Jesus fought for, for you and me, is that you and I would become people that could wait well. That's a righteousness, that, a grace that he works in our life. So there's a model. He models what it means to wait well. You're not alone when you're waiting 
and frustrated and bitter and just hurting and waiting for God to show up. Christ was there waiting through death. You're called to follow His example. And then third and last, in terms of how Jesus empowers us to wait well, Jesus is the Lord you wait for. You know, Gandalf, that was a cool picture, wasn't it? Throwing off his hat, you know, jumping on the horse, dazzling in whiteness. You know, that's powerful. When you're reading Tolkien or watching the movie, it's like, whoa, that really grips your heart. That's a, a moving moment. But think about, look, look at Jesus, how faithful and true. Think about the love of Christ, arms stretched open and demonstrating his love for you on the cross. Like, there's a picture of real love. And it's not just for people in general, but you and I were on his heart, his caring. Think about how honorable Jesus is. As the powers to be, Rome and, and, the, and, the, uh, and the leaders of the Jews, the religious leaders, were all speaking just lies and injustice to him. He just was quiet. He didn't say a word. He was so honorable, so noble of soul, right? He didn't need to speak. He waited for God and his judgment. They cried out the white rider or Mithrander, I think was an elvish name for Gandalf. But your Jesus is a bright morning star when you need light. He's the light of the world. When you need a refuge, a fortress way bigger than Helm's Deep, he's a rock and refuge for you, right? All of those names. When you need someone to fight for you, he's a lion of the tribe of Judah. You know, that's a powerful... So watch for the lion to show up in your life or when you need someone to cover your sins. You're like, I'm struggling, I'm waiting for you. He's the lamb that was slain. His blood covers those. So this is who you wait for. Every name calls forth who he is for you in that moment. So I'll close since I've been using this uh, Lord of the Rings analogy. I'll close with... Uh, the last little rescue moment um, of the story. So there it is. I mean, the, the Helm's Deep, Helm, it, the, the fortress is basically fallen. And Theoden rides out one last ride. And he rides to his death. Like He's like, put on your swords. Come on, men. They're on their horses. And they one last charge. This is it. Basically, they're going, they know to their death, but maybe someone will sing a song about them someday. That was basically what, and they charge, they, they ride down this, this ramp into the orcs and Urukai and wild men and wolves, and they're, they're battling, and they make a deep gouge, but the army is so massive that they're about to be swallowed up. And then on the fifth day, in the morning, from the east, the light's coming up over the ridge, and Aragorn looks up, and Theoden looks up, and there on the ridge is the white rider, dazzling in white. And there comes the horses of Rohan, Eomer and his men in the film version. And Gandalf, his shadow facts like neighs and lifts up his leg. It's a powerful picture, even if you don't like fantasy. It's like, whoa. And they come down the hill. And they come down the hill and just completely wipe out, wipe out um, the army. Now there's more battles that follow and so on. But that's a picture I want you to have of the God you wait for. Jesus, the Lord who is coming.
the Lord that you wait for. So your job is to watch with expectancy and hope, anticipating. Where's the Lord going to show up? How is he going to prove that everything works for the good for his people, those who fear him? I, I don't see how this devastation is going to turn out for good, but I'm watching for the Lord. I'm waiting well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we, we do want to be um, people that wait for you, but it's so hard. Man, it's so hard just to trust that you think about us, that you're involved in our life, that you actually want to and have plans for good for us in this life, that it's not just going to be darkness and devastation and sadness in the future, but that we can be confident that there will, we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Help us to live with that kind of confidence. Help us to wait with courage and zeal and fervor. And we just ask all of these things, not for the honor and glory of our name, but for you, that you might be glorified as the Lord who is worthy to be waited for. And again, it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.